Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Law Radio. Dental Law Radio is brought to you by Oberman Law Firm, a leading dental-centric law firm serving dental clients on a local, regional, and national basis. Now, here's your host, Stuart Oberman. Welcome, everyone, to Dental Law Radio. Usually, I'm giving a couple items on a podcast, but today we've got an extraordinary special guest in the studio, Eric Morn, Tower Leadership. And the reason why I wanted to talk to Eric, and he and I have done some projects and clients along the way for many years now, and I know Eric has clients all the way from Washington to probably Maine, probably to Florida, and probably some internationals. Who knows? But uh, I wanted to really get get Eric's, you know, for, sort of feedback, if you will, what's going on in the industry, where things are at. I know he's got the the pulse of the industry and what's going on with practices. Whether you have one practice, or uh, I think we're working on a project now that we're probably going to get him to about thirty practices at some point. Uh, if, if we can keep, uh, keep, big one. keep him, keep him on track, keep him on track, but re- really, you know, and, uh, I think really you did, Eric, you did a great job getting your guys through COVID-19. I know that was a very difficult spot. And I know that, uh, you and I did a, a, a seminar together that we had to go to a very remote location in a winery because no one else would house us. Um, and, and, and you were on the forefront of a lot of areas. And I know that, if your doctors listened to you when you were giving advice in March and April, they were well on their way to succeed. But I wanted to get, you know, your your conversational thoughts. We're going to cover a couple of things today because you're out on the front of this. You're way out in front on this. Um, everyone's scaling, scaling, scaling. You know, but the questions we have are, you know, how do you keep associates with giving, without giving up equity? One other area we want to take a look at is – where are we at on the change of the business environment as we go into, as we sort of revisit COVID, if you will, um, you know, and all that's coming with that. We're seeing things that are already going into two thousand, you know, first quarter of two thousand twenty-two. So then we want to take a look at you know leadership, and I know I've heard you talk, and I take notes when you talk, and I implement when you say things, and um, and and God forgive me, but but. You introduced me to the sigmoid curve. <laughs> I couldn't even spell sigmoid curve until I actually listened to you talk um, when we were giving uh, uh, a little little seminar. But um, great to be here. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you are amazing what you do. And, and I will tell you and I'll, I'll tell listeners, every time you speak and every time I hear you, I learn something. Whether it's one thing or a handful, I learn something. So I want to talk about really what what Tower Leadership is doing. And then I want, to, I want to get into some very specific industry topics that I know you're out in front of. But tell us a little about Tower Leadership, which, what you guys do. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here today. This is a, a lot of fun. been looking forward to it. As you said, you and I have worked on a lot of projects together, a lot of uh, you know, conversations. We've dealt with a lot of clients. You know, we really experienced a lot of issues together. This is a great time to have this conversation. There are so many changes. And then all this thing called the Delta variant comes up, right? <laughs> so so just when we think that everything has settled and we can get back to business as usual, um, 
winter comes again, right? There's, we don't know there's uncertainty. And, and I think that's business as a whole is there's always uncertainty in the marketplace. And I think preparing for that. And then what do you do when that happens? And, and I think that's one of the conversations you had brought, you know, brought up, which is when COVID happens, I think in this show, we'll talk through that is, is what were the differences during that time? Cause one of the things I'm seeing now is when we go back and, uh, and we look at the time period, say some people say we won't count 2020, and some people say 2020 was a great launching point. Best so, year they ever had. That's right. So what was the difference? I think it's really important on this podcast to identify those things. As a company, Tower Leadership, you know, I've been in the consulting you know, dental space for approximately 20 years, um, married a dentist, and I was consulting for companies outside of dental. And then she said, will you help me start a dental practice? I always tell people that the, my best asset was that I didn't know anything about dental. <laughs> and so I just started growing and scaling this dental practice and hiring doctors. And, and I thought that was normal until someone told me it wasn't. And, um, but then my career, I ended up um, getting investment licenses and, and, and so that I could see also the investments that doctors were making. Tower leadership came from this idea of after all my years of experience was you can have great management um, systems. You can have great training. You can have all these things in place, but if you don't have great leadership within the business and leadership encompasses a lot of things, and there's certainly a, some great things you need in management and leadership, but the idea of tower leadership was let's create a business that shows doctors that if you invest, if you grow and you scale, yes, you can have all the financial rewards, but you can also impact a lot of people too. And as idealistic as that sounds, we've been able to do that. And it's, it's, it's a fun, um, you know, pursuit of passion and we get to see the, the changes in our clients' lives, which is a lot of fun. So one of the big things now is, is our doctors are sort of in, in a quandary where they really don't want to give up leadership, but they, you know, or, or ownership, but they don't want to work 80 hours a week. So the question is in today's tight market, Tight, tight associate market. How how do our guy? We get this question all the time, and I know you get the question. You you had a big conference on this mm-hmm. recently. So how do you, you know, keep associates in today's world where it's you're only as good as your last paycheck and your last your last patient without giving up equity? What what, what you know? There's that's probably a 17 day topic, <laughs> but, you know, in 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 in, in a, a four year span. But you know. How 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 do our doctors you know do that and, and what are you seeing on that side you know how do you keep these associates without giving up equity? That's a loaded question. You're right. I mean, we could sit here and talk about this for a long time. I think it's a very important for people to 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 know that a lot of times that associates feel that um, that's being successful. But let's unwind it a little bit more. Um, the idea of ownership and, and a lot of it actually, believe it or not, and, and all the conversations with, I mean, I've had conversations with thousands of associates. It's always that I want to be able to have a say in the practice. I want to be able to have leadership. That's the hard part to get over, right? Because you could give somebody equity. Let's just say that you gave up 30% or for even 40% or 50% of your practice. But if someone's whole goal is to be able to have a leadership conversation, to be able to contribute, and they're not able to do that, then of course, then it they still won't be happy. So I think the first thing goes down to is what does the person ultimately want? Because I think the marketplace in the past had said to this person, let's take an associate, highly educated, right? Highly competitive. Dentists tend to be competitive people by nature. And we say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come in. 
I'm going to figure out how to pay you as little as possible. I'm going to give you no say in my dental practice. <laughs> and I'd love for you to just say a really, really long time with no equity. I mean, that, that conversation, right. oh, no, yeah. none of us would, would go into that conversation and go, well, this sounds like a win-win. It happens every term, day. Right? Every day. And so I think that if you look at other, this is not what happens in, in other industries, by the way. This is kind of a, a, a way, a paradigm that was in the dental market space for so long. And so I will tell you that before we even get to a financial model or talk through those types of models, I think it's more important to say, can this person contribute to the practice? Are they allowed to contribute? Because these are intelligent people. And by the way, if doctors want to pull back, I might want to pull on that part of their skill set and have them be part of the practice as far as the the ability to contribute to a leadership team or contribute to the management of the practice. So I think it's it's really important we talk about that first and and, and that component because they want to be part. They want to feel like they're part of something. Don't we all though? I mean, don't we all yeah. want to feel like we're part of something? And I think that what we the way we've treated associates in the past is wrong. I'll say that first. The other part is what does it mean to get ownership? I think we have to unwind that. What does that actually even mean? Uh, equity. What is equity? Equity, first of all, until you sell it, it doesn't, it's right. just something filed with the state. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. You can say, well, it means distributional equity, right? So I get some distributions. But I think it's what is, what are the distribute, what do those distribute, distributions? <laughs> I can't speak this morning. <laughs> Distribution. You're the financial guy. I know, right? I'm sorry, but, 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 You're asking the lawyer? I, I, <laughs> but, you know, I think one of those distributions be long-term, right? Um, so I think it's, it's what, what do those mean long-term? And I think it's creating an asset. You know, if, if you, what we have found is by, by allowing someone to be part of a leadership team, to have some say in what's happening in the practice, and then by giving them an asset, showing them that they could have a multi-million dollar asset without having equity, then they could say, okay, hold on, let me get this right. So I could work four days a week, not deal with HR, <laughs> not have to deal with marketing, not deal with all the <laughs> headaches and complexities, and I could have a multi-million dollar asset? The answer is yes. And so I've actually, believe it or not, I've had partnership agreements that the partners have unwound the agreement to do a deferred compensation or some type of other program because they see clearly financially. I've had people take that type of an arrangement and put it in front of their, their lawyers, their accountants, their financial advisors, and they have come back and said, wow, this is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's actually better financially. So what happens is, is when the associates end up in dental school, they tell them, I mean, the natural progression is you're going to get out, you're going to work for a few years. Oftentimes nowadays it's for corporate for a few years. Right. And then they're going to go buy a dental practice. But even that market's changing, isn't it? I mean, we're starting to see the complexities. And I think as the marketplace changes, um, and I'm shifting a little bit here, but as the marketplace changes, the complexity around owning a dental practice. It's getting harder. It's getting much harder. Individual. Not when you got numbers on, this, on, on DSOs. It, it, it is. Because be, before, let's even in the last... 10 years, Stuart. I mean, we got to think about even 10, 10, I mean, right. I mean, so we think about this and say, even five years ago, I I argue that five years from now, the, there'll be very few practices that are operating under a million dollars in revenue, independent dentist that are thriving um, outside of maybe a small boutique type cosmetic firm. And if you look at the medical space, you'll see the same thing. I mean, in the, in the, in the medical space, you've got dermatologists, and you've got plastic surgeons 
And for the most part, they stayed out of groups. But the vast majority of medicine you know, is, is, you know, MDs are now all part of groups. So when we look at the marketplace and the way it's shifting, we say even the people who might have bought a practice, it's going to cost you a lot more to get into them. Because it might cost you, and we're seeing this, you're seeing this too. It might cost you two, three million dollars now yeah. to get into a practice where it Easy. would have cost you four hundred, and then you've got to have the business acumen to be able to compete in that space. So, when we're retaining associates, what we have to think about first is the environment. Are we providing a world class environment? Are we providing a, a, a place where they can thrive? Can their career grow? Can, can they be excited? Are they all those traditional things in any other industry we would look at? Right? right. If we if we were let's say you and I decided to create another firm, we would want to take care of our our C suite, our top. We don't players. we don't sleep as it is. <laughs> <laughs> you want to start another company? We'll have a side note. So I, I think that, that we can keep unwinding this. The truth is that no matter where you are, this marketplace is changing. And I actually think there's a lot of it that's good news and the marketplace is changing we can kick and scream, but it is. And I think that the more we adapt to that marketplace, the more we can thrive. I think if you look at large corporations that are, or private equity or DSOs or however you want to call it in this space, they are not handing over equity to these practices. And I, th- I, I think that people have been telling people for a long time that you need to hand over equity. But in a case that I was just, you had mentioned from coast to coast, I was working with a doctor recently and he, if he had given up half his practice, he would have taken a 50% pay cut, but that pay cut literally would have made it so he could not pay his bills literally. And so we were, I sat down with the associate and I said, do you care about this doctor? And the associate said, yeah, I'm just trying to take care of my family, but I also want him to be taken care of. I said, well, if we do this deal long-term, this is going to fall apart. And so I we went through the math with the associate and we were able to put a really good agreement in place where the associate had a long-term asset, also had some leadership say in the practice, was able to thrive. And this was a few years back actually. And now they're, I mean, they are just, just doing so well together so I, I love to see that there are there you do not have to just hand over equity. That is a paradigm that is changing. It will continue to change. And I think it's really important in this marketplace. And I'm not saying you don't get maybe you do want to sell back. Maybe yeah. you want a partner. I'm not saying I'm not saying you never should. I'm just saying that if that is not your game plan, you should not be forced into that game plan or strategic direction, maybe is a better way to say that. I think you have to think through why you're doing this and who it benefits and what your long-term vision is. Does this go hand in hand when some, when a doctor says to you, I want to get out of the chair, does that go hand in hand on, or is, is that a before conversation that we get to the associates? Is it, I want to get out of the chair. How do you figure it out? And then what do I need to do with an associate? Is that a first conversation when a, when a doctor says that to you, how do we get out of the chair? I have to tell you, I'm having, this is like my, this is like a happy place. I just like, you know, we could, we could just, can we make this show five hours? We could do this for a long time. How, how many times have you heard that? How do I get out of so, the chair? So here's a thought. So, so what happens is, is, is just like any other position. Sometimes we put a square peg in a round hole. Look, we oftentimes will bring in this associate 
that does not meet the business model. It does not meet the vision. He or she, for instance, the person who says this doctor does not want to give up equity long-term, wants to build a team, wants to do some type of other business or, or economic model to, to provide an asset for the associate. And this associate walks in and says, you know, stomps their feet and says, no, I will not do anything but take ownership so the doctor says, okay, fine, I'll hire them anyhow. Maybe they'll change their mind. <laughs> they're probably, they're, <laughs> right, we, right. We, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's your hiring process. There's a, there's a thought process between selection and recruitment, okay? <laughs> selection is that you've sourced so many candidates coming into the position that you can pick the right person and select them, right? We, we always want to be, we always uh-huh. want to select people. So if you have multiple candidates, you get to select recruiting is almost that last minute thing where you're like, we really need a body or we really need an associate right now. So we just put who, whoever, whoever comes into that position, we just say, we're going to hire you. We've seen this with front desk, hygiene. Is that more prevalent in today's market because they can't find good associates or they just filling bodies? See, I, I would push back against can't find good associates. I, it's interesting. The reason I say that is because the, the doctors who have built an amazing environment to work in. Doctors hang out with doctors. I don't know how many times someone has said to me, I've recruited two or three people from my class to come work for this doctor. Because what if you create an amazing environment to work where somebody can do well, can take care of their family and have an asset it's going to attract other people. Build so it and they will come. So yeah, I, sometimes I say to people, it, it, it's like the harsh truth. But some, when sometimes when someone says, "I can't find anyone," I say, "It's you," right? And that's yeah. kind of a harsh truth. Sometimes and let me let me kind of back that it's up. True a little. though. It, it, sometimes it's like I have not built the environment to attract people. Someone said to me this one time, uh, Stuart. This person said to me, "You can't find any good people in Atlanta." I was like, wow, an entire city. I'm sure it's the entire city, right? One person out of 6 million. (laughs) That's right. I can't find one person. So I I pushed back and and said, well, let's talk about the environment. We've always had this idea that dental is different, but it's not different. The business acumen, the business principles always apply is you've got to create an environment. No matter who, who you are, you still say people, I mean, every study shows people still don't come to work for money. We must say, well, yes, they do. No, someone can always pay them more. There's still all these other intangibles that you have mm-hmm. to make it a place that's, that's great to work. Now, obviously somebody wants to get paid their value. They want to get, they want to have the ability to increase their, their income. All those things are true, but if the environment, and I'll give you an example of what I mean by that, there is a young doctor. She is one of the most amazing doctors that I've ever had the pleasure to spend time with. She took a job out of GPR residency. Um, um, and what she did was she went up to Indiana. She gets up there, she gets a practice who's going to pay her more money. And it ends up being a really bad environment for her to work in. And she says to me, and we've had a relationship and a relationship, a business relationship. And she says, Hey Eric, I need some help. I'm in this practice. They paid me a lot of money, but I'm so miserable. They And here's here's the thing, going back to my earlier point, they will not let me have any say. They will not let me contribute. They tell me just to shut up and see patients. And what happened was she quit there, is now working for one of my clients. She is running the entire location. This is an entire location she runs. She's learning advanced pr- procedures. 
And the doctor said to me that just the other day, he goes, she's a unicorn. I don't know if I'd ever <laughs> find another one of her. And yet this other yeah. doctor had her. Now the other doctor that lost her is probably saying it was her, you know, you can't yeah. find good people, attitude, right? It's yeah. all these things. And it's like, skills. It, it was like, yeah. no, it, it, it was you. And so I do think it's, it's important that we all look at our, our business and say, do we have the environment to attract top talent? All businesses have to do that. Can we attract top talent? Would they want to stay here? Do they have a say? And by the way, that's not just doctors. It's your entire team. Hygiene is no different, right? We're, we're in a tough, tough oh, market yeah. to find hygienists. Hygienists talk to hygienists. If you, if you had a great place to work, then people would, other hygienists say, you got to come work for here. So that's just something to consider. So yes, we at Tower Leadership, we're a financial firm in many ways, and we do plans around retaining associates. But I would still argue that if you don't have the foundations of strong business management, um, then it's not, it's not going to work anyhow. That's whether it's one practice or 20. It's all, it's all the same. That's right. And, and I'll make a, I say management leadership. One thing I'll, I'll say on this show, and I think it's important. Sometimes you scroll through LinkedIn. I see some amazing posts by Stuart Oberman. And, <laughs> and, you know, so I'm scrolling through. I got good people. <laughs> <laughs> I got good people. I, 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 see these. I got much smarter people than me. I can tell you that. Well, they're doing great. It's looking good. So as I'm scrolling through, I always see these posts that pop up. And they'll say something to the, to the idea of, Leadership is when you care. Management is just a number. And, you know, these, these, and it's just, it's silly because it's not true. Yeah. Look, all great businesses need leadership and management. Management doesn't mean that you don't care. You have to have strong management because you can be a great leader, but if you have bad management, then the company is going to fall apart. You can train Quickly. people, but if you don't have a way to, to have standard operating procedures, you cannot continue to manage the business to grow. So you do need both. And I think that it's very important to understand that you, by the way, if you just have management, but no leadership, that's not good either. Yeah. So I think it's important to understand you have to have strong leadership within a business, the visionaries, the, the visionary leader, the people that are driving the show and, and, and looking at direction and inspiring people. But I think there's the other side say, that says, do I have strong management? And by the way, I think associates play a crucial role in both of those. So you know, it's amazing what's changed in the last three years, maybe 36 <laughs> hours, maybe. Um, we, we got scaling, we got corporate coming in, we've got DSOs, we've got growth, we got, you know, no growth, we got COVID. I always say with COVID, it's going to be something else. If, it, <laughs> if it's right. COVID today, right. it's Delta tomorrow, and it's something else down the road. The, the Foxtrot so, variant. Yeah, it's just, it, it, just, it just keeps going. So from a, from a, a, practice standpoint, how do our doctors adapt to the change in this new business environment? And it changes like every day, it seems like. Three words, access to capital. Serious. I mean, here's, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, one of the things that I, if you look at even, look, you can look at business over business over business outside of dental as well and say, and, and you and I talked about this actually during COVID, I said, you got to have access to capital. One of the things that the, the federal government provided was access to capital, right? Had, had that not happened, then what would have happened? Had we not have PPP and EIDL, what would have happened to the dental market space? And so I think 
when we look at the future, first of all, one of the ways we insulate ourselves from those types of things is access to capital. And what, what, what does that mean? Access capital. What does that mean? It means that either you have credit lines you can pull from. It means that you might be able to, to, um, to have money in the bank. You, you have access to be able to borrow money in some ways. called good debt. Here, here's what I always tell people. There's two things you cannot get when you need them. Credit lines and insurance, okay? <laughs> so those things are really cheap, and, and, and you can get them really easy when you don't need them. The second you need them, they're, 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 they're yeah. gone, right? All of a sudden, you're about to go to bankruptcy. You're like, can we get a line of credit? No, it's not happening, right? You get diagnosed with something, you can't get insurance. So I think it's, I think oh, it's important yeah. for us to know that as businesses, we have to start projecting. And we have business winters. One of the things I said before COVID, now I certainly did not know it was going to be COVID, but I, I was telling people, Listen, th- this is a great economic time. Take 2021. We would argue that 2021, I think everybody can see it's a great business year. I, I, we can talk about all the reasons why, and that's maybe for another show, but, yeah. but, but it's a great economic year for most businesses. So then are you taking that money and are you making sure that you have capital if the, let's, let's play this Delta variant or something changes or, or the economy changes or, we saw that the dental marketplace change in 2008, 2009, 2010, when people weren't doing like – people are doing procedures now that they weren't doing before. They're getting yeah. checks from the government. So what happens if that if, – if you had a 20% drop in revenue, I'm just saying play that scenario out. In business, we call that pessimistic modeling. Hey, what if we weren't to grow at this rate? And what if something was to happen? Do we have the ability to pay our bills for some period of time? Do we have the ability to get capital? And maybe that's capital for expansion. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. It doesn't necessarily need to be something that's that's going down. But you always have to have access to capital. Businesses go under because they don't have access to capital, which is the whole saying, cash is king, king right? Yep. And so yep. – I would argue that businesses have to have that. So the first primary thing I would say is, you know, and by the way, this is like a business school 101. Profitability doesn't keep the lights cash uh, lights on. Cash flow does. Do you have enough cash flow to get through or the ability to get capital to get through a difficult time? I think it's very important that any business owner assess that at any given time. Wow. That's uh, uh, so the practices that want to scale. Mm-hmm. How do they get access to capital? Wow, this is <laughs> this is so much fun. Um, so, isn't that, that we can first of all say, okay, well, right now for a dentist to get leverage, otherwise known as debt, um, it's not that hard, right? I mean, as long as your financials are in pretty good order, you can go to a, to a to a bank and get a loan. And, and buy another practice, as long as the financials make sense, they'll look at your personal, obviously financial statement and see if you are a good qualified buyer, but that's only to a certain point, right? There's going to be at some point where the banks go, eh, yeah, yeah, we've taken enough enough risk here, right? And then we start to get to the point where we say, okay, well, then we go into getting capital that's outside of a bank, which that could be bringing another partners. It could be mergers and acquisitions. It could take. It could be in. It could be pulling in private equity. It because eventually you have to say, and, and that's a good thing for you to look at in your long term vision. If 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 you have a dental practice, and let's just play the scenario that you're two locations, and you say. I really love to go to 30 million. And matter of fact, you and I were talking about this practice of moving drastically, right? And so we've seen that. But what, what happens is, is you have to say, what is my plan for getting capital in the future? When the banks cut me off, and they will at some point, <laughs> they will. <laughs> you have to say, what is my 
right? What is my plan? You can't wait and then start making phone calls. You have to think now at the point at which the banks cut me off. So let's just say it was a certain revenue or four locations or whatever that is in your, in your head. And by the way, your banker can help you with that. And, and you can talk Some to allow, that too. Some only allow you to purchase one practice a year. See that, and, and that's, so that's, that's just something I wasn't aware of. And so I think it's important to get that information and then if that's the case, then what is my, going back to number one thing, access to capital. Yeah. What is my next step to get capital? If I'm, if I'm, if I can no longer get any more capital, how else will I get it? Do I want to bring in an equity partner? Do I want to, cause you, there, there is an old saying and I, I love the saying when I heard it, I thought oh, that's brilliant. Some people say partnerships don't work. It's just not true. They just have to be running in the same direction. Right. And so do I want to own 20% of a watermelon or hundred percent of a grape, depending on what your <laughs> long-term strategy is, it might make sense to own yeah. 20% of a watermelon. And I'm certainly not, you know, everyone's situation's different, but if you're trying to become a large dental group, I think you have to understand in business. The number one thing is what's my vision. Where am I going? What do I want long-term? How does this impact my family? What does this do to my legacy? I think you have to write all those things out first, because I'll tell you a story Years ago, I want to say about seven years ago, I had a group come to me. When, when, when we were young. <laughs> I, had, I had a group come to me. They had nine locations. It was four partners, and they had flown up to see me. And I sat down with them, and I asked them that same question. I said, where are we going? What are we trying to get accomplished? And they said, we want to be a $100 million dental practice. And we heard you were the guy to get us there. And I looked at them and I just said, why, why do you want to be hundred million? What does that do? What, why do you want that? And their answer was, I don't know. It sounded good, <laughs> right? It sounded like a good round number. And, and so I said, I heard it at a seminar. That's right. I heard it at a seminar. It sounded like we, we, we could, you know, so I said, let's talk through that more. And, and it's interesting that we, it's, we, cause I told him, I said, if I was a bank and sometimes I, when I'm speaking to a doctor or any business, I would say, you know, this let's play that I'm a, your investor. Explain to me why I should give you money. And I said, if you came to me and said you were trying to grow, but you don't know why, you, you just had no reason and, and you didn't have an economic model, I probably want to give you the money. So we spent about, believe it or not, it took about four hours to finally get to their why. Well, I believe it. And then when we got there, here's what they said. We want one location with 24 ops. <laughs> I thought we should have figured that out eight locations ago, right? So we just wasted time and money and energy. And, and so, and, and interestingly enough, I, you know, part of the story is one of the uh, partners was actually, um, diagnosed with a really heavy disease at the time. And I thought, gosh, you guys have spent so much time in the wrong direction. So I think that the first part is always, where are we going and why? And, and one of the reasons why I try to get people out of the dental chair is I think that some people love dentistry, stay in the chair if you want to, but have the ability to pull back, have the ability to spend time with your family and do the things you want to, which is one of the reasons why we started a business. So you talk about this a lot and, and, and this could probably interjected into every scenario you just mentioned leadership. You guys talk about that a lot. You groom it, you touch base on it, you figure out how to, to get better at it. How much of a role does leadership play in a successful practice, whether it's one or 20 practices? And you talked about this a lot during COVID, how leadership 
when, you know, really will take you through the storm and put you on top of the mountain. So tell, t- tell me about leadership and how, and how our doctors and what you see, what they don't do. I know that's, 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 that's a whole day's conversation. No, no I think, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that when we, there's this old saying, right? You, you find out who your friends are during the difficult times. And I think that we also saw what people were made up from a leadership standpoint during the, the difficult times. And, and we're not out of there yet. Right. I, I mean, yeah. but I, I think that when, when I, what I was saying during that time is, I mean, we had doctors send everybody home and I so said, we, I mean, the industry had doctors and then not even communicate with their team for 45 days. Yeah. And I said, these people are scared. These people don't, this is the time, by the way, they're going to start looking for a job because they're, they're going to, if you don't take care of them now. And by the way, that's what's happened a lot for a lot of people. Cause it was a great time for people to reflect and say, is this where I want to work long term? Does this person actually care about me? And if you don't, during that time, people were scared. Everybody was scared. And I said, doctors play a huge role in this. It doesn't matter whether you're a medical doctor or not, not just within your own team, but what do you look like in your community? Are you communicating with your community? Are you communicating with your team? Are you talking them through it? I mean, our team started working, you know, 20 hour days just to support teams. We got team members on the phone and started having financial conversations with them. We, we worked through each doctor. I, I think it's, we spent so much time working through that time, but so many people in that time retracted and that was the worst thing they could have done. I said, you know, this is a time talking they need about you. That. Yeah, they need you. They, they need their leader at this point to look at them and say, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it through. I'm going to make sure we're all taken care of. And sometimes that didn't happen. And we see, in a lot of practices, what the consequences of that, you know, ended up being because people started saying, wow, is this, you know, as the marketplace, by the way, let's look at hygienist again, as the, yeah. it becomes more competitive, they're like, do I want to work here long-term? And so I think leadership, this is one of those ones where we have to get outside of dental marketplace and just look at business right. and say, listen, right. great business leaders attract great people. And it is difficult. I want to give some, you know, acknowledgement to the fact that being in a chair all day long and seeing patients all day long and trying to lead and trying to manage is very, very difficult, which is why you need to lead and build an amazing team because you can't do it all. Yeah. But but building a leadership team and building a team around you, but to get them there, one of the things I was just saying to you before we went on air was that one of the reasons I do a leadership retreat, we do this large leadership retreat every year. And one of the reasons I do it is when they say, well, Eric, I don't communicate like you communicate. So you would tell my team what you just said. <laughs> you tell them, you, you send the memo, you send the email. That's right. And then the other thing is, is, uh, but I want to get the team inspired on my why. Like I want, when I say my why, I mean, your why is a doctor. Why are you there? What's the purpose? What are you trying to get accomplished? How do you impact their lives? I think that you have to get the team to understand why they should care. Right. Because if it's like, I think we get to this place where we're always like, well, I'll just pay them more money. I'll just pay them with them more money. Somebody can always pay them more. So why should they follow you? We see it all the time. One of the things I've done at Tower is I've brought people on and given them, I've asked them to come on for like literally like a 30, 40% pay cut from what they were getting paid. And I'll tell you why. That wasn't to cut anyone out of money, by the way. It was to say, are you willing to commit to the vision that's here? And if you are, your actually income will increase, but I want you to buy into the vision of what Tower's trying to do. So the same thing I would say is if people aren't inspired by you as a leader and they, they don't see you as a leader, somebody they want to follow, people will take a pay cut just to be with a great leader, to be with a great organization. And so many times, and you, you might say, well, Eric, I don't have time to do all that. Okay, then bring in somebody who can. Right. 
if, if, if we're trying to go to five locations, 10 locations, 20, you can't do that without great leadership. Yeah. You can't do that without great management. And so why I think it's so crucial is we can, you know, business is littered with stories of great leaders and poor leaders. And we work on leadership and we inspire and motivate and, and, and drive people towards a direction. And man, that sounds idealistic. I know it's like, it's like, that sounds idealistic, it's true, but though. it's just true. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like how much time in the last 12 months have you spent on growing your leadership skills and, and leadership teams, inspiring people. And I think that's, just, it's gotta be a focus if you're going to, especially if you're going to grow and you're going to compete in this market, because what I am seeing is a lot of DSOs that are private equity. They're not focused on leadership. Yeah. And it gives you a competitive place in this market. I mean, it really does. It, it allows you to differentiate yourself. Now, I'm not saying DSOs don't care. That's not what I said. But I'm saying that that if it's all about money, that, that you get what you measure. And if they're focused just on money, well, then I'm telling you, they're going to take their eye off of leadership. And that's a place where you can dominate and attract top talent. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't even know where to start. I think we've been just about 45 minutes. <laughs> Is that and I, <laughs> and I, I'm trying to think how much I could take back myself and say, okay, here, here's my office. But as usual, it's, it's amazing conversation. Uh, I was looking over uh, and trying to figure out what do we even call this? <laughs> I mean, we, we've touched on so many things, but we'll come up with a great name. So tell me what you got going on. You got, you got some events coming up. Where, where, where are you going to be at? Uh, we have, we have, what, when you sell out Phillips is what I want to know. <laughs> Huh? Well, we we haven't sold out our September and, and October foundations. We we have, we're we're blessed. I think to have, big Phillips. We're blessed to have some amazing doctors. That we we get to work with some of the best in the industry, um, and, and and work with some of the best uh, people to team up with you. Like you, yourself, you, so. uh, you you know you look you do work with the best. I mean, and I, I could tell. Uh, well, also Sarah, the, the guys that we work with together are are are, are at a different level. Not that, the, not that the other, you know, the clients are bad, but they're at a different level. They're, they're, they got a whole separate, different vision where they're going. And at times they're a little bit hard to corral in. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm, I just, I just want them to get the Marietta, not I, necessarily I just, Nebraska. I just give you right? the difficult stuff, Stuart. No, yeah. I, you know, the reason I bring, you know, you, you and I work on some really complex stuff together and some great things. And, and that's why um, it's such an honor to work with you as well, because I, I, I know that the clients that have these sophisticated issues, that the clients that need help and, and need great guidance, I know you take care of them, which is why you and I have worked together on so, so many of these cases. So, like, why is there a call me at 8.30 night? <laughs> I'm taking that I, call. There's got to be a reason. I, I think I call you on Sunday once a week, I think. I, don't call the, Stuart on it's Sunday. It's not, not to watch cable TV, I can tell you yeah. that. But, so, t- tell us, what, when, what, what next event's coming up? What, what is it? Tell us about it. We have, what we do is, is an introductory two days initially is the what we do. And what we we do is we talk about the financial. So it's, it's financial and it's leadership and it's management, which is what do I need to do if I want to build an organization that it grows and scales? If I want to pull back from the chair, how do I have a business that runs without me? What does this mean financially? How do I make investments? One of the things that's missing in this industry is um, people don't know where to invest in the practice. So we talk about where to invest. What's the ROI? Where's the best place to put money? How does that pay off debt? All those two days yeah. worth of concepts. And then, and then in November, we do a very, very – so we do those once a quarter. We've actually – sold out September. So we've added some more, but, and then in, in, um, we get this leadership retreat we're doing in, in November and it's, it's a large, large event. We have practices from all over the country and it's really about that message, which is how do we get our teams inspired? If we're going to 
build scalable businesses? How do we get our teams inspired, motivated, and ready to tackle head-on 2022? If anyone's got any questions, how do they get hold of you? Towerleadership.com. I, th- I think it's it's the best place. You know, we've, we've got a lot of information. And, and right there, if someone wants to send an email, info at towerleadership.com. Um, and our team is ready and waiting. We'll be more than happy to help you. They are excited to talk to you and excited to help. And, and it really, you know, we, we see the, the spectrum as you know, yeah. and so it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're just beginning this, this journey and you're, you're questioning, what do I need to buy or invest or do? I mean, a doctor years ago had said to me, they gave me their pro forma going into a practice. And I said, who gave this to you? And I was like, <laughs> it's wrong. And I said, I said, trust me. And I said, we're going to move all this around. And what I did, he was like, I said, he had seven ops. I said, these seven ops are going to be gone in 12 months. He said, no way they were. <laughs> and so I said, I said, and uh, so there's even on the front end or the person who's trying to go, we're working with a lot of organizations that are going two, three, four, five, 10, 20, 30 locations. Yeah. So no matter where someone's at, it, there's no matter what the complexity is, we can coach you through how, where, and why. Get there. Fantastic. 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 I, I can't even begin to write down the information. I, I'm going to have to look at, listen to this myself and figure out where I'm at. I appreciate the uh, <laughs> honor to be, a, be, to be your guest, sir. This is, this has been a great time. I, I literally think we could go for 18 hours oh, and not stop. And, and, and this has been such a pleasure to be here. I really do. Uh, it means a lot. I'm glad to be part of it. Yeah, My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Eric Morin, Tower Leadership. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Uh, for those that want to reach out, um, Dental Law Radio, my name is Stuart Oberman. Uh, reach us at Stuart at ObermanLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Please listen to this podcast multiple times because you will pick up multiple bits of information every time you do. Have a great day, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon.